Let me just, let me, you know what? Let me just bring the evidences. Are you ready? No, I'll, one I'll second. One second. No, because you insulted me. Now I have to take it back. <laughs> you accused me of doing innovation. I told you I'm happy. I didn't accuse you of doing innovation. I'm happy, I'm happy at the birth of Let's the Prophet. Let's finish the evidences. No, no, one second. No, no. It might be Sunnah. No, no, he didn't. So me saying, or he did, he said, let me ask you literally the words he said were, what a good bid'ah of the Prophet. No, one is second. No, no, separate the two. Because this is just semantics and language. I'm going to show you how it's just playing around with words. So we'll come to that in a second. But the one thing that. Dawman celebrates Mawlid. Did you guys hear that? We finally got him. Dawman admits he celebrates the milad of the Prophet. So, wasallam. You go cool. One second. Don't try it out of it now. <laughs> Come on. So, let me Bro. Bismillah, alhamdulillah, wassalatu wassalamu ala rasulillah, amma ba'd, assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuhu. Brothers and sisters, welcome to another episode of Roast Dawaman. Once again, we have Brother Dawaman. Give salam to the people. Assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuhu. And in today's episode, we will be discussing the issue of the Mawlid, celebrating the birthday of the Prophet wasallam. Now, obviously, I know that your position from the videos that you've put out from the you know, stuff you have on the internet is that you believe it is not permissible to celebrate the birthday of the Prophet So I've spent the last few days doing some research on those who are pro-Mawlid and I'll be putting forth their arguments and I would like you to come to this discussion with an open mind and an open heart seeking the truth that even if I, if I say something today which you've never come across or something which opens your eyes to the truth whatever it might be I want you to take it and likewise everyone watching from home come to this discussion with an open mind and an open heart and seek the truth and take it if it comes to you. If, it, if you realize, you know what, this is the truth, just take the truth. Okay? Cool. So, point number one. So, during my research, I realized that a common thing that comes up is a division of Mawlid into two. So, they're celebrating the birthday of the Prophet, وسلم, which is a single, uh, a particular day throughout the year, usually the 12th of Rabi'ul Awal, although depending on if there's a holiday before it, after it, they change the day around. And the second is celebrating the birth of the Prophet wasallam. This is something which a lot of contemporary pro-Mawlid uh, individuals put out there, that there's the difference between the two. So we'll tackle one and then we'll come on to the other. So the first one I want to talk to you about today is celebrating the birthday of the Prophet sallallahu alaihi wasallam. Now you say it is haram, bid'a. correct? You say it's a bid'ah, which is obviously haram. Now my question to you is: What proof do you have that celebrating Mawlid is haram? Because you are the one. You are the as we in the. Uh, it's called the mudda'i You are the claimant You are claiming something is haram So you need to bring proof And when I say proof There's some conditions You can't just pull anything out of the hat Number one It has to be authentic Any verse from the Quran Any hadith which is authentic Number two It has to be relevant You can't pull out an ayah from the Quran I agree it's authentic But you can't talk about something which says Allah said you know uh, Don't do shirk you say, oh, this is talking about Mawlid. No, 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 no. I want specific evidences. You can't, I don't want you stretching, trying to stretch to make an evidence look like it's about, you know, Mawlid. That's not how it's going to work here. It has to be clear cut. You know, something as important as this, it requires clear cut evidences. And number three, I want 
the understanding of classical scholars. I don't want your understanding. I don't want any contemporary scholar. I don't want Sheikh Fawzan, Sheikh Ibn Uthaymeen, Sheikh Al-Bani, Sheikh Muhammad Ibn Abdul Wahab. I don't want any recent scholars. I want classical understanding from scholars of the classic tradition. Is that clear? Yeah. Do you agree to those conditions? Because if I you agree. don't, we can end it right here. I, I agree to the conditions, but I don't agree to the first point that, that I'm the claimant. I'm not the one making the claim. The burden of proof is not on me, it's on, it's on you. On You're me. saying that it's haram. Yes, but... So innocent until proven guilty, right? That, so that's with regards to worldly affairs. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, هُوَ الَّذِي خَلَقَ لَكُمْ مَا فِي الْأَرْضِ جَمِيعًا ثُمَّ اسْتَوَى إِلَى السَّمَاءِ فَسَوَّهُنَّ سَبَعَ السَّمَاوَاتُ وَهُوَ بِكُلِّ شَيْءٍ عَلِيمٌ When it comes to the world, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala said that He's created everything for us. Everything is created for us. So the scholars took from this ayah that everything has been created for us, therefore everything is halal until proven to be haram. Until proven to be haram. So everything is halal until proven to be haram. But when it comes to the religion, it's different. When it comes to religion, everything is haram to do as part of the religion until proven to be halal. What's the evidence for that? The Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam said, Man amila amalan laysa alayhi amruna fahuwa rad. Anyone who does an action which is not from our religion, it will then be rejected. Is that an authentic hadith? In Al-Bukhari Muslim, the wording I mentioned to you was specifically the wording of the Sahih Imam Muslim. And this hadith is actually not just authentic, but it's so well known that the Salaf said this is one of the hadith that the entire religion of Al-Islam revolves around. Some scholars went as far as to say that there are two hadith that the whole religion revolves around. The hadith of Umar ibn Khattab عنه, which is the actions are in accordance to the intention, meaning if your intention is for the sake of Allah, your action will be accepted. If it's not, it will be rejected. And the hadith of Aisha, which is the one I just mentioned, which is that anyone who does an action that's not from our religion, it will be rejected. And these are the two pillars of every action. In order for it to be accepted, it has to be sincerely for Allah's sake. Those who celebrate Mawlid, they may have satisfied this condition. But the second one, which is also a condition for the acceptance of an action, is that they have to have an evidence from the Prophet that he did it. If they cannot bring an evidence... What's the evidence that that second condition is needed? The hadith itself. Anyone who does an action, and it is not from our religion, then it will be rejected. Anyone who does an action which is not from our religion, then it will be rejected. So then now you're doing an action which you're claiming is from the religion. The asal is that if it's not founded in text, because our religion is known to us through Quran and Sunnah. If it's you not do Dawah on YouTube. We're on YouTube right now. Cameras. The Prophet never uses cameras for Dawah. Right. But these cameras are not an act of worship. The discussion, the Dawah that I'm giving, the lecture that I'm giving, the conversation that I'm having, the lesson that I give, that is where the worship is. This is not the worship. You see, when it comes to dunya issues, when it comes to matters of the... I don't believe I'm getting rewarded by having a camera in front of me. I don't believe I'm being getting rewarded by Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala because I'm speaking to a microphone. This is not an act of worship. That is not an act of worship. The worship here is the discussion that we're having. Do you see? So anything new in worship, yeah. it requires an evidence and the asal is that it's haram. So for example, if I say there's a sixth uh, salah, yeah. There's the five that we already have. I'm bringing a new sixth one. Yeah. The asal is that it's haram. Until proven to be halal. Until proven to be halal. But with the dunya, it's the other way around. Everything is halal to be pro until proven to be haram. And I'll give you another... Like if a new drink comes out, yeah, I don't the have to asal is that it's permissible. But if someone says that, oh, it's an intoxicant. Now you know, okay, cool. Allah said in the Quran, intoxicants are haram. Therefore, it's haram. I'm with you. I'm with you. 
I mean, if that's the case, then would you like me to present the evidences? Well, that... no, I want to further substantiate this point here, just so people have no, no, no confusion in their mind, because Go this is it. this is really what where the main issue of innovation, really, the discussion around it is is kind of circulating in this day and age, okay. which is that people find it hard to comprehend that if the Prophet sallallahu alaihi wasallam left off an action, we must also then leave it off. We must also then leave it off. If he left of an action in religion, we must also then leave it off ourselves. We are not allowed to do it in Why? religion. I just explained it to you. That, so what you're saying is that if the Prophet didn't do something, yeah. we also cannot do that. We thing. cannot do it. Because we're supposed to follow him in his mm. actions, right? Mm. But in the Sharia, not doing an action is also considered an action. So when the Prophet didn't do something, that was an action. What's the evidence? Because I understand because I understand from the angle of the Prophet's actions, yeah. the Prophet's speech, yeah. the Prophet's if he gave permission for something, yeah. his beliefs. Yeah. That I understand, we follow. But following him in not doing something, you're claiming that's an action. What's of the course. evidence for that first I'll of all? I'll give you several evidences, inshallah. In the Quran, when Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala was talking about the kuffar from Banu Israel who didn't enjoy the good and forbid the evil, Allah said, Kanu la that they would not prevent one another from doing the evil that they did. So they're being admonished for something that they didn't do. Didn't do. Because they didn't enjoy it for, 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 for the evil, right? But what's the evidence that that's an action? Allah said, kanu Evil is what they did. Allah referred to them not doing something as having done something evil. Mm. Them omitting mm. an action was referred to as an evil action. Mm. I'll give you another evidence, okay? Um, we have the hadith of Jabir ibn Samr radiallahu ta'ala anhu where he said, Sallaytu ma'a Rasulillahi sallallahu alayhi wa sallam al-i'idayn ghayra marratin wa la marratayn. He said, I prayed Salatul Eid with the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam more than once and I prayed with him more than twice. I prayed in both the Eid prayers more than once and I prayed with him more than twice. Bighayri adhanin wa la iqama. And there was no adhan and there was no iqama. Question. Whenever we go to the Eid Salah, is there ever an Adhan for the Eid Salah? No. Is there ever an Iqamah for the Eid Salah? No. Even the people who celebrate Mawlid, did they ever give the Adhan for the Eid Salah? No. Did they ever give Iqamah for the Eid Salah? No. This hadith is the evidence. What is the evidence in this hadith? Jabir ibn Samara saying the Prophet didn't do it. He said, I prayed the Eid Salah with the Prophet and he didn't ever pray it with an Iqamah. He did not do it. He did not pray with an Iqamah. He did not pray with an Adhan. The fact that he didn't do it is a proof for us that that was something that he didn't do. But isn't it a proof because there's a hadith that mentions that he didn't do it? As in, if there was no hadith to mention that he didn't do it, then we could do it? No. No. Because it doesn't make sense for you to request a hadith showing the prohibition of every single omission. Why because not? The hope, the, the, because because it's a general principle that when the Prophet left off something, don't do it. Don't do it. Does that make sense? So to request an omission for every single possible omission, there were many things he didn't do. There are millions of things he didn't do in worship that you could have done. You can't expect a million ahadith specifying each and every single one. But mm. rather what we have is a general principle that was taken from the sunnah of the Prophet taken from the ayah that I mentioned. And also this was a common practice amongst the sahaba. I'll give you examples to show oh, you. Some more examples? Yeah, then? loads of examples. That this is how the sahaba, they understood this principle of sunnah to tarkiyah and they applied it across the board. Here you have sunnah to what? Tarkiyah. Sunnah tarkiyah. Sunnah of leaving off. Leaving something off, okay? Another example is that on occasion the Prophet Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam was uh, presented uh, a lizard, okay? To, to eat. It was a delicacy for some of the Bedouins. And the Prophet Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam didn't eat it. 
And therefore the companions also, they did not eat it. Why did they not eat it? Upon inquiry, they said, the reason we didn't eat it is because the Messenger didn't eat it. So they saw his omission of an action as something to follow him in. They said the Prophet is not eating, so we will follow him and not eat. We will follow him in his leaving off of something. And then the Prophet explained that the reason he's not eating it is because it is not the food of his people. It was not a food that he was accustomed to. Sallallahu alaihi wasallam. So he, he, he but ate, he allowed them to he eat allowed it. allowed them so to eat it. Then they ate it because of the because of that clarification, which is that mm. it, it was it was something down to the prophet's okay. habit. So we know that that's something which is which was habitual, not religious, not religious. Any more examples? Loads of Just other in examples. I give another example. Um, Imam uh, Al Bukhari, Taala, in Sahih, he has a chapter heading called "Babu Man Lam Yastalim Illa Ruknain Al Yamaniyain." Okay, the chapter of not touching. The two corners of the Kaaba, except for the Yemeni corners. You know, the Kaaba has four corners. There are two Yemeni corners and there are two Shami corners. The, Shama, the, the Shamiyain, the two corners that point towards Sham, and the two corners are in the direction of Yemen. Okay? So we know from the Sunnah of the Prophet وسلم, is that when you do Tawaf, you touch the two Yemeni corners. One of the Yemeni corners is where the black stone is, and there is the other one, the ones that you recite, when you're doing the Tawaf, right? Between those two. Yep. So he's, he, has, he called his chapter heading the not touching of the other two. But only touching of the Yemeni ones. Okay? okay. And then Imam al Bukhari, he brings this hadith from uh, Abdullah ibn Abbas, where Muawiyah, he was touching all of the corners of the Kaaba. So when he was doing this, he was touching all four. Abdullah ibn Abbas, the Prophet, وسلم's cousin, from Al Bayt, he was there. And what did he do? He saw him doing this. He said, إِنَّهُ لَا يُسْتَلَمُ هَذَانَ الْرُكْنَانِ These two corners of the Kaaba are not to be touched. You're only supposed to touch the other two. Muawiyah retorted saying that we don't leave off anything from the Kaaba. Do you understand? But Ibn Abbas is admonishing him, telling him that no, you don't touch these two. Now pay attention. What is Ibn Abbas's understanding here? Why is Abdullah ibn Abbas radiallahu anhuma? What's his evidence? What's his delil? What's his delil for not touching the other two? It's because the Prophet sallallahu alaihi didn't ever do it. The reason he's telling why would Ibn Abbas tell Muawiyah don't touch the other two? What issue does he have? Except the fact that he never saw the Prophet sallallahu alaihi do it. No. So this is a common trend amongst the companions of the Prophet Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam. I'll give you even more examples, but it's going to become long. Where the Prophet Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam, he left off an action, the companions also left it off because we follow him. And I just want to mention the commentary of Imam Hajar al-Asqalani in his Fatuh al-Bari on this hadith. He said, وَأَجَابَ الشَّافِعِي He mentioned the, the statement of Imam al-Shafi'i. He said, عَنَّا قَوْلِ مَنْ قَالَ لَيْسَ شَيْءٌ مِنَ الْبَيْتِ مَهْجُورًا بِأَنَّ لَمْ نَدْعُ إِسْتِئْلَامَهُمَا هَجْرًا لِلْبَيْتِ وَكَيْفَ يَهْجُرُهُ وَهُوَ يَطُوفُ بِهِ He said, وَلَكِنْ نَتَّبِعُ السُنَّةَ فِعْلًا وَتَرْكًا he said, we follow the sunnah of the Prophet Sallallahu We follow the sunnah of the Prophet whether it be in action, whether it be in that which he left off. This is, this is, this is Imam al-Shafi'i's commentary on this narration. Yes, Imam al-Shafi'i said it. Does that make sense? So the point that I'm making to you here is that the leaving of an action is a proof in our religion that it is something to not do. If the Prophet left something off, then it's a proof that you can not do it. But when it comes to dunya issues, please, it's the, the oldest, most 
boring contention that people bring. What about YouTube? What about microphones? What about these are dunya things? Okay. And the dunya is not something which was restricted. So you've mentioned that's why Imam sorry, Imam Shafi mentioned that there's two types of innovation. Is this bid'ah mahmuda and the bid'ah madmuma? Is the innovation which is praiseworthy and the innovation which is not praiseworthy. What was he talking about? I thought Kulu Bid'a or innovation is wrong. That's our point. The innovation that's wrong is innovation in the religion. And the innovation which is fine, which is innovation in dunya. For example, a person innovates in medicine, he innovates in technology, he innovates in worldly affairs. Beautiful. But for a person to innovate in the religion, that's what Imam Shafi was talking about when he said Bid'a Madmuma. And it's interesting because when he said Bid'a Madmuma, he explained it, he said anything that goes against the text, anything that goes against the Quran and the Sunnah. And of course, a Bid'a in the religion goes against the Quran and the Sunnah because the Quran and the Sunnah prohibited us from doing Bid'a in the religion. So then the Bid'a which he was talking about when he said it was allowed, which is Bid'a in terms of the worldly matters, do you see? And also Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala in the Quran, we know that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala mentioned that he done Bid'a. Allah said, Bidi'u he is the one who done bid'ah to the heavens and the earth. He originated, invented the heavens and the earth. He introduced the heavens and the earth, subhanahu wa ta'ala. They didn't exist before Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala brought them into existence. So that shows you that the bid'ah with regards to religion is the only one which is not allowed. Mm. But the one which is not with regards to religion is allowed. When Allah said, Do they have legislators besides Allah? They legislate in the religion. Which Allah didn't give them permission to do so. They're doing bid'ah in religion. They're doing bid'ah in the deen. That's the problem. That's what the Jews and the Christians did. And the Muslims were prohibited from following them in that exact same fashion. So doing bid'ah in terms of medicine, in terms of technology, nothing wrong with that. In fact, that can be a praise where the innovation is Imam Shafi'i said. A bid'ah in the religion is madmuma. And that will help people understand when the scholars mention the bid'ahs of different types and there's the good bid'ah and the bad bid'ah. This is what they were more often referring to. You done? I'm done. That would have been a very convincing argument mm. had I not done my research. <laughs> so you've mentioned companions who left off what the Prophet left off. <laughs> but now I'm going to mention to you some companions mm -hmm. who did something mm -hmm. the Prophet didn't do. <laughs> For example, Abu Bakr, uh -huh. he compiled the Quran into uh -huh. one book uh -huh. which the Prophet didn't do and in fact it's mentioned in the narration where Abu Bakr actually questions himself and says how can I do something which the Prophet did Sallallahu not do Sallallahu Sallallahu and Umar encourages him and says mm -hmm. but there's khair in it mm -hmm. there's something which will be good mm -hmm. likewise Umar mm -hmm. came to people who were doing who were reading Taraweeh and he came and he said what a good bid'ah this is Taraweh is in the religion. Uthman an, he, when he was the Khalifa, he, he innovated a new adhan. Don't say innovated. He added a new adhan. As in, why is it not in? We'll come to why it's not innovation. If you don't like that word, no problem. But the reality doesn't change just because you don't want to call it one thing. So he added a new adhan, which the Prophet didn't do. Can it be innovation if it if if it's Sunnah? How can it be sunnah if the Prophet didn't do it? Which the is Prophet what you said. Told us, you said. Bi sunnati upon you is my sunnah. Upon you is my sunnah and the sunnah of my four rightly guided khulafa. Who are they? Abu Bakr, Umar, Uthman, Ali. Then the Prophet said, 
bite onto it with your molar teeth. Ha is the singular pronoun. You don't use a singular pronoun if they're two separate sunnas. If they were two separate sunnas, you use the dual pronoun. You say addu alayhima. But the Prophet Addu alayha. Hold on to it with your motif. He didn't say hold on to them. He said hold on to it with your motif. So the path of Bakr, Umar, Uthman, Ali, and the Prophet companions is all one path. Now, this is a matter where we can go into a lot more detail, and I've gone into a lot more detail with Usad Muhammad Tim Humble on a podcast, a very extensive podcast, we did about two and a half hours long, discussing all of these issues about issues of bid'ah in, in a lot of length. Inshallah. Is that hadith authentic? That's going to become, of course, authentic. Hadith Sunnah Bi Dawood. Okay. And the Prophet clearly said, follow my sunnah and the sunnah of the four rightly guided khulafah. Another hadith the Prophet said, follow the two after me. Abu Bakr, Umar, Do you see? But there is something that I want to bring to people's attention with regards to the narration about Umar. Because Umar's narration is a bit deeper in that it's uh, misunderstood. So before we move on to the issue of Umar, you understand that we're supposed to follow Abu Bakr, Umar, Uthman, Ali, radiallahu ta'ala anhumah. So, so what you're saying is that by following them, we are following the Prophet. Sallallahu Sallallahu wa sallam. Because the Prophet told us to follow them. And he told us following them is following him. Sallallahu alayhi wa Okay, that makes sense. I mean, the only examples that I came across in the videos that I saw were from Abu Bakr, Umar, and Uthman, radiallahu anhu. So... Okay, so I understand that. Yeah, we follow them because the Prophet ﷺ told us to follow them. Makes sense. Okay, cool. Abu Bakr and Uthman But when it comes to Umar he actually praised Bid'ah. So if I'm going to follow him, I can follow him in praising Bid'ah. No, he, he understood that bid'ah is something which is no, a good didn't. thing because no, he, he said what a good bid'ah this is. No, he didn't. So me saying, or he did. He said let me ask you a literally the words he said were what a good bid'ah. Yeah. So for me to follow him would be me also following him in good bid'ah. No. Why? Because you're conflating the two types of innovation. Did we not just say a second ago the scholars divided bid'ah into two types from the angle of one being a bid'ah which was in the religion and one being a bid'ah in the dunya? How do you know which one Umar was talking about? So Umar was talking about bid'ah in a linguistic sense. How like, do you know? Like when, so let me ask you a question. What was the issue to which Umar looked and he said, Ni'mal bid'ah hadhi? What was the issue? People were praying taraweeh behind one imam. Okay, question. Is that an innovation? It wasn't done before that. Hence why he, he no. himself called it. Did the uh, Prophet not do that? And did the companions not do that with the Prophet They used to. But then why did Umar say that this is a good innovation? Because the people stopped. The Prophet used to do it. He used to do it. The companions did used to do it. And then the Prophet stopped doing it with them from the angle that he said. But didn't you say the Prophet leaving something off? Right. I'm, I'm going to come to it. He, 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 he stopped doing something. Why? Because he said, I was worried it was going to become made obligatory upon you. So imagine having to pray taraweeh in jama'ah every single night. It would become a mashaqqa on the ummah, it would become a hardship on the ummah, right? So the Prophet ﷺ, out of mercy, he left it off. Now pay attention. So it wasn't abrogated. Say that again? It wasn't abrogated. It wasn't abrogated. He left it off for a particular reason. Okay. Now there's a principle in Qawaid al-Fiqhiyah. There's a principle in the Sharia, which is al-hukmu yaduru ma'illatihi, that the ruling revolves around the reasoning. When the reasoning is removed, then the ruling is also removed. Okay? Okay. For example, you can shorten your prayers when you're on a journey. Journey. But when the journey ends, 
the reasoning for why you're shortening the prayers stops. So now the ruling of shortening the prayer also ends. Ends. When you could do tayammum when there's no water. But so the reason you could do tayammum is because there's no water. water. But when you find water, the reasoning for tayammum ends because the reason the, the ruling of tayammum being allowed for you to do ends because the reasoning for why you'd be allowed to do it ends. So what was the reason why the Prophet Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam what is the reason why he stopped? Because he was worried that revelation would come down and it would be made obligatory. Now after the Prophet ﷺ passed away, as Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala said, إِنَّكَ مَيِّتٌ وَإِنَّهُمْ مَيِّتُونَ That Muhammad ﷺ, you will die and they will die. And the Prophet ﷺ died. Okay? Mm-hmm. He died ﷺ. Then the revelation stopped, which means the reasoning for why he was worried is now absent. He was worried that the revelation would come down and make it obligatory upon them. But now that he has passed away, the reason why he stopped is not is not present. present. And because it's not present, then the ruling of not praying is also not present, which means now you can pray. Do you see? Okay. Look, and, and, is... and that's why I haven't finished. And that's why if I decide when you finish. In the narration in the Tabaqat of Imam Ibn Sa'ad actually mentions in the harf shart. Okay, which shows the possibility, the hypothetical nature. Umar said, "In if this was an innovation, it would be a good innovation." Do you understand? So in one narration, as I said in, that. in in the Tabaqat of Imam Sa'ad. So if it was a good innovation, it would have been a good innovation. But even if you ignore that narration and you act like it doesn't exist, we can still say Umar meant it in a linguistic sense. Because, for example, if a person didn't pray Qiyamul Layl. He didn't pray the night prayer. But now he starts to pray the night prayer. He now starts. And he comes and says, guess what? I've started praying the night prayer. Well, I say, Allah, barik, akhi, what a good new thing that you've started in your life. It's new to him, but is it new to the deen? No. So when he said, Ni'mal hadhi, what a good bid'ah this you, is. What, 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 the way we understand that is, because remember, bid'ah is a linguistic word. Remember, there are words in the Arabic language that are linguistic, and there are words in the Arabic language that have a shari'i meaning. Allah used the term salah in the Quran to mean the salah which we pray five times a day. It starts with the takbir, ends with the taseem. But then Allah also used the word salah to refer to dua. Because salah means dua. As-sila, bayn al-abdi wa rabbi. Right? As-sila, bayn al-abd. The connection, Salah is, sila is sila, connection between the slave and the Lord. So I'm making dua, I'm praying to Allah. Now you can't say, oh, look at that. The word salah in the Arabic language means dua. So let me do You can't confuse the shari terms and the linguistic terms. The shari term for innovation is to bring something new into the religion. But then the Arabs will still use it, use the word, what? Linguistically. Linguistically. So I'm saying Umar is looking at his, these, these, pe- these companions and the people, who, the tabi'een, who didn't pray this. In their life Maybe some of them never did Maybe some of them did With the Prophet And then they stopped So it was something That they stopped So they brought it back So it's new Like the hadith of the Prophet Whoever brings something new Anyone who does it Also gets the reward Exactly But by that He didn't mean A new innovation Because otherwise If he did mean that then there's a contradiction because he said anything new is not, not even that the context of the hadith shows it because the Prophet was talking about in, uh, the context of the hadith was charity. So a companion came and he gave charity first. And the Prophet said, Man sanna fil Islam, sunnatan hasana. 
Anyone who comes and he, and he brings a good thing in Islam, who brings a good sunnah in Islam, okay, he will have the reward of it and anyone who follows him. Why? Because the first companion came and he gave charity, then all the other compa- companions came and us. they were inspired. And then the same said, Man Islam Whoever does an evil thing in Islam, who have the sin of it and everyone who comes after, they were talking about it in a linguistic sense, not in a actual technical sense. And I told you, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala himself okay. used the term bid'a, badi'u samawati wal ard. Do you see? Okay. Which is which is which is Let's which move is on. greater. Let's move on. I don't want to drag this out. Let's move no, on. No, no, I want people to understand the point though. So Umar was talking in a linguistic sense. Umar was talking in a linguistic sense. He wasn't talking in a technical sense. And the proof of it is the fact that they were doing something which was sunnah. Right. How can how can Umar be looking at something which is sunnah that there's textual evidence from the Prophet to do and refer to it as a bid'ah? So it can no, never no, be no. a bid'ah. No, no, the Prophet prayed salah is a bid'ah. The Prophet gave sadaqah is a bid'ah. Zakat is, can you say it's a bid'ah? If a person never gives zakat in his whole life, I will say, Ni'mal bid'ah hadi. What a good bid'ah is as you started giving zakat in your life. you never been to Umrah in your life. I will say, Ni'mal bid'ah hadi. What a beautiful bid'ah is that now you're going to Umrah because you never went. It's new to you, but it's not new to the deen. Okay. So praying the night prayer was not new to the deen, it was new to those people. Just to summarize, moving forward. So as of yet, we're still talking about celebrating the Prophet's birthday. We've established that the proof to say something in the religion is permissible mm-hmm. is on the one claiming it's permissible. Yeah. So you don't need to bring proof. Why? Because if the Prophet left something off, وسلم, then we also need to leave it off. Mm-hmm. Right? Um, and we went through why that is and the reasoning behind that. Sahih. I'm satisfied. I agree. So now, let me show you the proofs from the Quran. And the Sunnah, why Mawlid is permissible and why it has roots in Islam. Okay. Can I ask a question before you do that? Sure. Do you believe celebrating the Mawlid is a bit of hasana? So again, going back to what I originally said. So from my research, celebrating the birthday of the Prophet specifying a day for it, and you know doing all these things on a particular day, intending the celebration of the day he was born. Yes, they say that that is a Bid'ah hasana. Okay, good. Now let me ask a question. The evidences that you're going to bring is it for celebrating the birthday? Yes or no? Celebrating the birthday. Yeah, because we're talking about the birthday right now. Let's separate the two issues. We'll come to that later. So, are we talking about celebrating the birthday of the birthday, Prophet? Birthday, yeah. Okay. The so, date. So, so is celebrating the birthday of the Prophet Alihi having a day in the year where you celebrate his birthday, sallallahu alaihi wasallam, is that something which is a bid'ah hasana or is it a sunnah? Not the. They say it's a, that is a bid'ah hasana, but celebrating the birth of the Prophet no, is one second. sunnah. No, no, separate the two. Because this is just semantics and language. I'm going to show you how it's just playing around with words. So we'll come to that in a second. But the one thing that... Celebrating they, the birth the day of the Prophet is a bid'ah hasana, yes. So then you can't... Why are you talking about evidence? Don't bring me any evidence for it. If it's a bid'ah hasana, you can't bring evidence. Why? Because a bid'ah can't be sunnah. The whole reason you're calling it as a bid'ah hasana is because you've accepted there's no delete for it. And it's a game that the people play here. They want to bring you evidences for the celebration of the Prophet Hassan's birthday, but in the same breath say, and bring evidences for bid'ah hasana. Something can't be bid'ah, which means there's no evidence for it. And at the same time, you try to present evidence for it. If you're playing with people's minds or you're an idiot, or you're an idiot. <laughs> not you, but... Let me just wrap my mind around it. So, because it's claimed that it's a bid'ah, but it's a good bid'ah, bid'ah hasana, Something new in the religion. There's no such thing as bid'ah hasana. What you're saying because is... The Prophet said, Kullu bid'at in okay. Every bid'ah is misguidance. And I forgot to mention earlier, the son of Umar ibn Khattab, anhu, he said, the son knows his father best, right? Mm-hmm. Abdullah ibn Umar is also a companion. He said, Kullu bid'at in He said, every innovation is misguidance. وَإِنْ رَاءَ النَّاسَ hasana. Even if the people think it's good. Who said that? The son of Umar ibn Khattab. Was he a companion? Of course he was a companion. He's one of the noble, greatest, closest companions of the Prophet. Abdullah ibn Umar. 
عبد الله بن عمر رضي الله عنه رضي الله اوف كورس يس وايز ناريتد ممكن بوت ريفرنس سكرين ان شاء الله اوكي نو بروبلم اف يو از اثنتيك اوت تيك فروم يو اي ثينك ميبي مشاط في منزل الكتاب بوت ريفرنس ان سكرين So where do we go from here? Because they say that it's a bid'ah hasana yeah. to single out a day. Yes, yeah, so we have to talk about bid'ah hasana. We have to talk about bid'ah hasana. But the thing is, there were scholars, great scholars. Do you agree? Yeah. You agree? Imam Al Nawawi is a scholar. Yeah. Imam Suyuti, Ibn Hajar, all these scholars, they mm. all mentioned yeah. that it is permissible yeah. I... and it is a bid'ah hasana. Okay. So what do we do with the call so, of these scholars? So you, you yourself quote. Are you going to take a statement of a man? That goes against the statement of the Prophet sallallahu alaihi wasallam. Sallallahu alaihi wasallam. No, but we the Prophet we understand no, the, the Prophet's kalam. No, no, no. One second. Through these scholars, but no? are the scholars infallible? No, they're not. They're not individually. We're not infallible. Shia. No. They're all, exactly. We're not like the Shia. They no. believe their imams are infallible. We don't believe our imams are infallible. Agreed. We believe that they can make mistakes. Okay. When one of the imams gets it wrong, he gets one reward, as the Prophet sallallahu alaihi wasallam said. When he gets it right, he gets two rewards. He's a mujtahid. He's a scholar. Allah Azza wa Jal will have mercy on him and forgive him for his mistakes. So, when do you decide Imam al Nawi made a mistake? How, like, is it when it suits you, it's the haq? No. And when, he, when it doesn't suit you, oh, he, he made a mistake. No. It's What's when, your yardstick to decide if he's on? Yeah, I mean, I mean it's, 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 when the, it's when the scholars of the Sunnah. I, remember, it's never me bumping heads with Imam Nawi. It's never me bumping heads with Imam Asiyuti. It's going to be other a'imma who are then also bumping heads with those same a'imma. Does that make sense? And you look at the evidence that each side brings. So, for example, you have many a'imma, Ibn Qayyim, Ibn, uh, Ibn Taymiyyah, many other a'imma from their time up to our time and even before them who have been showing and arguing and, and fighting against this concept of there being bid'ah hasana. And just look at the evidences they bring. They bring it from the Prophet. Look what the Prophet said. He said, what did he say? Sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. He said, Kullu bid'atin dalala. Every single bid'ah is a misguidance. Wa kullu dalalatin finnar. And every single what? Misguidance is in the hellfire. And kull is from the words which benefits your generalization. But then wouldn't it also include the dunya? No. Because he said every, every, not say every in deen. If he said yeah. every bid'ah in deen. So bring the narrations together. Bring the narrations. Oh, the together. one where he said anyone who introduces not a just new... that the ayah amlahum shuraka usharaulahu min al-din. Do are are they other legislators besides Allah that are bringing legislation in the din? Mm. Not only that, the same hadith. Look at the context. Faalaykum bi sunnati upon you is my sunnah, and then it says stay away from bid'ah. Mm. So bid'ah is the opposite of sunnah. Sunnah is din. Do you understand? Mm. Sunnah is din. Do you understand? So. The Prophet clearly said every single bid'ah is a misguidance. So now for me to take the statement of any man, for me to take the statement of any man after that is nonsensical. And rather for that person, it's feared for him. As Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala said, Anyone who disobeys the Prophet's command, he will be inflicted with a fitna. Or he will be inflicted with a, with a, with a punishment. The fitna here is Ibn Abbas and Imam Ahmed Ibn Hanbal and many other a'imma explained is fitna to ridda apostasy, leaving the fold of Islam and falling into shirk. And you find many of these people who celebrate the moral of the Prophet and, they, and, they, and so who do innovation, they fall into shirk. The Shias, they fall into shirk. The Sufis, they fall into shirk. Many fall into shirk because they one by one, they disobey the Prophet one thing, two things, three things, four things. And to what eventually they've, they've disobeyed him and even his greatest command, which was at-tawheed. And also to add on to that point, 
the, the, the fact that it shows you every single innovation is the fact that the Prophet said every single innovation is a misguidance in the same breath in the same sentence he said and every single innovation is also every single misguidance is also in the hellfire so the Prophet said every every innovation is misguidance and every misguidance in the hellfire so if you say not all innovation here is misguidance which is defined the person's kalam. Let me ask you a question. Is there some misguidance which is not in the hellfire? Is there some misguidance which is in paradise? No. Is there some misguidance that enters paradise? No. Every misguidance enters the hellfire, right? Yeah. So in that same context of every misguidance without exception entering mm. the hellfire, in that same context the Prophet mentioned, every innovation is misguidance. Mm. Do you see? Yeah. So it's talking about innovation as a whole, innovation in the deen. Do you see? Innovation in the deen. It does that actually does make sense. So that actually Okay, that's a bit mad because now I had all these evidences prepared yeah. for celebrating the birthday of yeah. the Prophet So okay, but so I just want I just want to reinforce this point about the fact that they cannot bring evidence for the Prophet birthday. And this is a contemporary issue where people have tried to start to bring evidences because what they're playing with people. One time they said bid'ah hasana, one time they tried to bring dalil to say it's sunnah. Okay, so I'm going to bring you ev statements from the scholars who themselves used to celebrate the Prophet or who used to allow allow the celebration of the Prophet birthday, but they are affirming with their own speech that what. It's, it's not from the Sunnah and it's a bid'ah. For example, Su'il al Shaykh al Islam, sorry, Qal Siyuti Rahmullah, Siyuti Rahmullah Ta'ala, he mentioned Su'il al Shaykh al Islam, Hafidh al Asr, Abu al Fadl, Ibn Hajar, An Amal, An Amal al Mawlid. He said, Imam, Shaykh al Islam, Amir Muhaddithin, Ibn Hajar al Asqalani Rahmullah Ta'ala, he was asked about the action of Mawlid. Fa'ajaba bima nasuhu. He said, he responded with this. He said, What? Aslu Amal al Mawlid. Bid'atan. He said the asr of the action of Mawlid is bid'ah. Lam tan qul an ahadin min salaf It has not been transmitted from even one man from the salaf. So he agrees that it's a bid'ah. Bro, he said not even one man from the salaf. Forget companions. They try to bring examples from companions celebrating the Prophet's birthday. They take hadith which are stretched. They 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 stretch this them. Is a, this is Ibn Hajar who himself allowed. So so so. so, so so he and, and even his allowing of it is questionable, but no point that's, that's beyond the scope for discussion. Let's just say he allowed it for argument's sake. Let's just say for argument's sake he allowed it. But look what he said. And Ahadi min al-Salaf, al-Salih, min al-Qurun, al-Thalatha. He said it is not, it was not done from anyone from the Salaf al-Salih from the three generations. Imam al-Sakhawi, rahmallahu ta'ala. This is Imam Asyuti mentioning Imam this. Imam Asyuti who celebrated himself. It. Sorry, I don't know about celebrate, but he's the one who allowed it. Number two, Ibn Hajar, who he is quoting in affirmation of his statement. So two Imams I brought you. And I'll bring you the third, Imam al-Sakhawi, one of the students of. Ibn Hajar al-Asqalani What did he say? He said لم يفعله أحد من السلف من القرون الثلاثة إنما حدث بعد He said it was not celebrated by any one of the salaf from the three pious predecessors rather it was innovated حدث بعد It was invented after So if we've accepted that it was invented after then we need to now establish two things don't ever in your life try to bring an evidence to substantiate it because it's an innovation. Even your own imams who allowed it, who allowed it, and they were wrong to allow it because they, they allowed Bid'ah Hassan or whatever have you, and we mentioned that they were refuted by other great scholars and they, and they inshallah, inshallah ta'ala, Allah Azza wa Jal has mercy on them, forgives them, no problem. But we are here and we are supposed to take, we're, we're supposed to take, take, take the text. 
الإمام مالك رحمه الله pointed to the grave of the Prophet عليه السلام and he said he said everyone's كل كلام every single person's statement is between what being taken or rejected إلا صاحب هذا القبر except for the man inside of his grave sallallahu alayhi wa sallam his statement is not between rejection or acceptance it's only acceptance but everyone his statement can be rejected as Imam Abu Hanifa rahimahullah ta'ala also mentioned he said uh, as it's mentioned in the poetry قال الأبو حنيفة الإمام لا ينبغي لمن له إسلام أن أخذ بأقوالية حتى تعرض على الكتاب والحديث مرتضى he said it's not Imam Abu Hanifa said it's not befitting for a person who claims to have Islam to take my statements until he presents them to the Quran and the Sunnah first Abu Hanifa said that Rahimahullah ta'ala Imam Malik before Shafi Ahmed all these hadith kind of statements so now you can't take Suyuti's statement with the Hassan just follow him blindly no we follow the Prophet Sallam we don't follow Imam Suyuti like that we don't follow Imam Haja Asqalani or Imam Sakhawi or the other great Aimma we don't follow them like that when they go against the Prophet we take their statements presented to the Prophet Sallam and say does it match up in this situation does it match up we say we say may Allah have mercy on the Imma. this is not something we can follow them in because they're not perfect but our companions have got some things wrong if we're not going to take some companions and some things then how are we going to take them if the companions go against the Prophet we're not going to take them. How are we going to take them? And of course, the companions wouldn't go against intentionally. No one really is going against them intentionally, وسلم, but it's due to maybe not something becoming clear to him or an evidence not reaching them or whatever have you. Does that make sense? We're not saying they're opposing them just for the sake of opposing them, but the reason they're opposing them because maybe, you know, unintentionally, uh, an evidence didn't become clear to them or an evidence didn't reach them or maybe there was a hadith that they thought to be weak or didn't become authentic to them or whatever have you. Allah forgive them, but our job is to follow the Prophet. So, so the first point I want to establish here is that. The issue of the Mawlid is a bid'ah and even the celebrating Im- the birthday. We're yeah. going to come to celebrate the birth uh, yeah. right now. We're focusing on celebrating the birthday. Yeah. Semantics. Even they agree themselves. It's semantics. It's and it's, it's true because even when, even when they were quoting for celebrating the birthday, and the scholars who said it, they all said that it's a bid'ah hasana. That those scholars said so, so there wasn't a single scholar they bought classically who ever said. That celebrating the birthday of the Prophet was Sunnah. You know, with these people that have this issue, yeah, I always I just have one question for them. The ones who are so hard headed on the issue of Bidah Hasna, I have just one question. And this question usually ends the discussion. And I don't know if you're still defending that position. And if you are, I'll ask you to answer this question also. Go on. In our Sharia, the things have five rulings something okay. can either be Wajib, yep. Sunnah, uh-huh. Mubah. Mm-hmm. Makru or haram mm-hmm. It's either obligatory Recommended Permissible Disliked or, ha- or impermissible Okay Okay Do you accept That there is not a sixth ruling Yes Everything falls into Everything that you do In your life Has a ruling It's either one of these five You're drinking water What's the ruling It's mubah It's mubah Okay uh, Which means permissible Means permissible You do it You don't get rewarded yeah. You leave it You don't get sin Yeah And if it's if it's makru You get rewarded If you don't do it and you don't, But you don't get punished If you do do it and the opposite with regards to something which is sunnah and permissible is haram. Obviously, wajib is obligatory or fard is obligatory. My question is, bidah hasana, which one of these five does it fall into? So it can't be fard because obviously that would require it to have an evidence. Fard sunnah requires it evidence. Exactly. Sunnah as well. Yep. Nothing, nothing can be sunnah. fard. Nothing can be fard. Nothing can be sunnah except without delil. Yeah. And sunnah obviously is synonymous with mandub and mustahab as well. So it can't be anything. Um, so you're telling me it can't be recommended because you understand there's no delil. It can't be sunnah because it doesn't have a delil. So what is it? So now you're left with three. So is it haram? Is bidah hasan haram? You're not going to say it's haram, are you? I'm not going to say it. What about makruh? Dislike. No, that's still a negative thing where if you don't do it, you get rewarded. So 
people are encouraging you to do. Okay, so let's just say it's mubah. How can you mubah? Because mubah means something that you don't get rewarded for and you don't get punished. Oh, okay, well, but more is done people, to get rewarded. People do it because they think they get rewarded. So which one of the five is it? Maybe. So what if I say no? Okay, cool. Okay, I'll change it. It's sunnah. I just said you can't say sunnah because even the scholars, where you get this from? You talked earlier. You said the agreement that we had was bring classical scholars. Yeah. Classical scholars didn't ever believe it was sunnah. <laughs> even the ones who allowed it to happen said it was bid'ah. So how are you now telling it's sunnah? You understand? Anyone who ever from this point onwards ever argues. Ever argues the notion of there being textual evidence for the Prophet Ali's birthday celebration is doing something that for a thousand years no one ever did. <laughs> but you got guided in the 21st century. Okay, so that was the Prophet's birthday. Did a pretty good job. That's been put to the side. No questions asked. Now let's move on to the Prophet's birth. This is where now the discussion really starts. This is where. We get into the evidences. No, this is where no, this, this is semantics. It's not. This, this is 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 a joke because the people who are trying to the hadith and ayat are jokes. No, the semantics. The, no, the what we're trying to say. The concept of separating between this notion of celebrating the Prophet Hassan's birthday and celebrating the birth of the Prophet Hassan yeah. is something that's just the deception. Shall I tell you why? Is because you're saying scholars like Imam Suyuti and Suyuti Imam, never did this. It's not Suyuti. No, we no, we never did Ibn this. Hajar. No, 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 we didn't say this. Imam Nawi didn't say this. There's recent stuff. This is when they started to realize. You see, innovation, you have to understand, it evolves. It evolves. Okay? The, 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 the doubts for them. They always have the same kind of twang to it, but it evolves. When they realize one door gets closed, they try to open up another door and another door. So now they've come with this new fancy way of describing it. They say, they say there's the celebrating of the Prophet Prophet's birthday, which is a bit of a hasana. Okay? But then we have the celebration of the Prophet Sallallahu birth. Now we could talk about that in a second, but understand the game that they're trying to play. They're trying to bring evidences for celebrating the Prophet Sallallahu birth, and then they're trying to apply those evidences to celebrating his birthday, which they've already accepted is, in, is a bid'ah that doesn't have any evidence. So if it doesn't have any evidence, how are you trying to bring evidence for it from a different mas'ala? One mas'ala, you're trying to say they're two different things. You're trying to say, yes, this one's bid'ah, but this one's sunnah. Okay, okay if this is sunnah, then why do you celebrate his birthday then? If you've accepted his bid'ah, why are you using evidence for something else here? I mean, my, wouldn't it be that if you establish that celebrating the birth is from the Quran and the Sunnah, then how you do it is open to you. As in, you can ha then you can celebrate his no, birthday. No, because if there was, and I'm not saying there is, but if there was an evidence to celebrate his birth, if it was from the religion, you'd have to celebrate it how the religion would teach you to celebrate it. The same way I can't pray the way I want to pray. The religion teaches me to pray. I gotta pray how the religion teaches me to pray. Do you understand? No, but you can set a tatla from with da'a. You, you, you can pray anytime. Unrestricted, yes. Unrestricted, so but they, but they, they, they don't do that. They have a specific day set in the year. That's my point. What if, for example, me, I, I, I set up a direct debit every single Tuesday. Yeah. A charity goes out for my account. I've Good. set Tuesday, 9 p.m. every single day. Yeah. Does that mean I'm doing bid'ah? No, the Imam al-Nawi discusses mas'ala. You're not getting closer to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala by the day. Do you understand? No, what do you mean? Like when you say, oh, I'm going to make da'a to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala uh, 9 a.m. every day because it's convenient for me, for example. You know, I've got a little time, I just make da'a. You know, let's just say you don't get any other time. You don't get to yeah. make it during yeah, the yeah, times yeah. that are accepted. But you want to make da'a so you make it at that time. Or you say, there's going to be a lesson we're going to do. Every Wednesday, we're going to have a hadith class. 
or an aqidah class. Now, the day and the time is not an act of worship. You're not trying to get closer to Allah through that day and that act of time. That's just out of convenience. I'm going to just give charity every day on this month. I'm going to just study this particular class every day of this week because of convenience. They don't celebrate the Prophet Wasallam's birthday in the month of Rabi al-Awwal, the month he was born on the 12th, which is the alleged date where they say he was born, even though it's differed upon. But the majority of you, according to the scholars of Hadith, who knew the Sunnah of the Prophet best, was that he was not even born on the 12th, he was born on the 8th. That's the view of the Akhthar al-Muhadithin, the majority of the scholars of Hadith who give their life to study the Sunnah of the Prophet So they even got the date wrong. But anyway, let's what just... about, for example, my, 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 I haven't finished last third of the no, night, no, no, if, I, if, if I get up to and I make the ask specifically at that time to get closer to Allah because, because of the time. Evidence. You see, remember, bid'ah happens in four ways when it comes to uh, when it comes to mm. acts of worship. Remember, remember the bid'ah has two types. Yeah. Sheikh Imam, this is a very important point. Imam Abdurrahman Yahya al-Ma'adi, a scholar who went to India and studied there with the scholars of Hadith, okay? Not a not a uh, Saudi scholar. Do you understand? He's a Yemeni scholar. Then he went to India and he studied uh, Hadith. He wrote a kitab called Haqiqatul Bid'ah or Risalatul Bid'ah. And then he mentioned uh, Bid'ah is of two types. There's Bid'ah Haqiqah and Bid'ah Idafi. There's Bid'ah Haqiqah, which is a literal Bid'ah, which is you actually invented as something absolutely new in the religion that has no basis whatsoever, not from left, not from right. Okay? Then Bid'ah Idafi is a Bid'ah which has a base, which is, which is a, a Bid'ah of something there is a basis for in the religion, but you've changed it. Like if I bring a sixth salah, bring sixth salah, and so the change happens in the following ways. Number one, it happens in the in the in in the in the in the number, the frequency. For example, you're told to pray five prayers a day, you pray six. Mm. You change the frequency. Mm. The second way happens in the kafir, which is the how. For example, you're told to pray a particular way, but then you change the way of praying. You say, oh, but I was I'm, how are you saying it's bid'ah? Allah says, establish the prayer. I'm establishing the prayer. But the thing is, you, mm. you're praying, but you're doing bid'ah in the way you're praying. The, the third way is the, the makan, the place. For example, you're told some acts of worship are in particular places. Some acts of worship are in Mecca. Some acts of worship are in Medina. Tawaf, for example. Yeah. You can't do tawaf. Exactly. Some acts of worship are in the masjid. Do you understand? Tahirat mm. masjid is for the masjid. Mm. It's not from musalla in your house. You don't go into your house and pray to Raka and the musalla that you pray there, right? Okay. The fifth one is the, the, sorry, the fourth one is the zaman, the time. That time, do you understand? Mm. Now we have evidence. So we say, okay, cool. We, we all do it on the fourteenth. We we'll do it on the fifteenth instead. But that's my point: is that you're doing it. You're, 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 you're just now. You're just playing. You know, it's like the people, the the, the Jews with the Sabbath when they were told they're not allowed to do anything on the on the sixth, not allowed to do anything on Saturday. on Yom Sabbat, which is the the seventh day of the week on the Saturday, the Sabbath. So what it is, they put their nets out in the sea on the fifth. Allah turns into pigs and monkeys. Because they're playing around with the religion of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Allah knows what you're doing. You can't play mm. here. Do you understand? So you don't have... So you're, you're, you've established that estab celebrating the Prophet's birthday on a particular day is what? Is an innovation. Yep. Okay. You Now you're trying to argue, which is not even true, but you're trying to argue that celebrating his birth is a sunnah, which means that it's recommended to celebrate his birth. Sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. Understand. So now you're trying... Two separate issues. One is a bidah, one is a sunnah. Now you're trying to use the sunnah to do the bid'ah. But the bid'ah has no evidence. So if it has no evidence, how can you bring the evidence from here? It's playing with people's minds. But anyway, I just want people to know that. But anyway, let's just entertain it hypothetically. Just, just, for, just for kicks. Entertain okay. it. So talk to me. Let's what? come to celebrating the birth. <laughs> Let me ask you a question. Are you happy that the Prophet ﷺ was born? I'm so happy that the Prophet ﷺ was born. Conversation's done. <laughs> Dawman celebrates Mawlid Did you guys hear that? We finally got him Dawman admits He celebrates the Milad of the Prophet so, Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam You go cool Don't try to get out of it now <laughs> Come on so let me Bro ask Happiness And celebration is the same thing? Yeah so mm -hmm. if I, oh, Let me pull out the word celebration right now in the dictionary Go on 
the action of celebrating an, an important day or event. The the birth of his son was a cause for celebration, for example. Yeah, so Social it, gathering or enjoyable activity held to celebrate something. So my point is this. So now, that's my point. Celebration and happiness are not synonymous. You asked me, am I happy at the birth of the Prophet ﷺ? And I said, yes. You then, from that, extrapolated that I therefore celebrate his birthday. Celebrations are done in times of happiness, but not every happiness is celebrated. Let me just, let me, you know what, let me just bring the evidences. Are you ready? No, I'll, one I'll second, one second. No, because you insulted me. Now I have to take it back. <laughs> you accused me of doing innovation. I told you I'm happy. I didn't accuse you of doing innovation. I'm happy, I'm happy at the birth of Let's the Prophet. Let's finish the evidences. No, no one second. No, no, it might be Sunnah. No, one second. I'm happy at the birth of the Prophet. Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam. Now you have to accept that you just done Talbis. He's deceived the people. Because you try to make it seem like rejo like celebrating, rejoicing at something which is a joyous, which is something which is which is joyous, which brings a, a smile to every believer's face. The fact that Allah sent us a messenger, sallallahu alaihi wasallam. Okay, that what he is what is something that we're happy by. That doesn't mean molded that we're celebrating his birthday. <laughs> so, for example, am I happy that I was born right now? Am, Allah, am I grateful Allah gave me life? Oh, I'm celebrating my birthday, guys. <laughs> Yo, Jimmy, are you happy that that you're alive? Are you happy that Allah made you're, that you're born? <laughs> then look at you celebrating his birthday too, huh? I mean, when you put it like that, <laughs> it sounds stupid, right? Yeah. Now let me ask you a question, okay? What um what Wait is a second, the, act. what 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 what? Let me ask you a question. Very important. I'm the one that's supposed to be asking. The I know it's an important question. Very important question. What is the reason? What is the reason why we're happy that the Prophet Ali was born? Is it because he's just a normal human? No, because he's a messenger. Because he's a messenger. Sallallahu alaihi wasallam. So then, it's not the fact that he was born, which is the thing. Even though we're he, of course, if he wasn't born, sallallahu alaihi wasallam, he wouldn't have been a messenger. He wouldn't have been a messenger. But what makes him unique to everyone else is not that he was born; it's that he was a messenger. Yeah, but he wouldn't have been a messenger if he wasn't born. But everyone's born. We all have a birthday. Yeah, but his no. was special, but specific. His, you're right. But his birth is not the thing that makes him unique, even though there there was uniqueness with regards to the. But it's what leads to. You know how you say that in in the Sharia, anything that leads to something takes the same ruling as you're, it. Okay. So in order to get to the Prophet okay. being a, a a a messenger, he had okay. to be born first. So good. So then the then the the, 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 the then him being born was a means, but not the goal. The goal was a messenger, right? Yeah. So for example, me going to Jummah is a means, but the Jummah is the goal, right? Uh huh. So what's more important, the Jummah or the means? The objective is more important. The, the, the objective is really what I'm trying to get to, right? Yes. At the end of the day. Okay, good. So then why is it that these people don't celebrate the day that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala sent Jibreel to him for him to become a prophet? And then the day which Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala sent down the... Uh, because remember he became a prophet first and then became a messenger. Sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. With Iqra he became a prophet. With Qum fa'anthir wa rabbaka fa'kabbir wa thiyabaka fa'tahir. With that he became a messenger. Do they even know those days furthermore? And what about the day of the conquest of Mecca when Islam was established in Mecca? Is that not a day then? Should, should we not celebrate on that day? Yeah. By that logic. But they don't. They don't. Does that make sense? So, and also by that logic then, should we not also celebrate the birth of the Prophet's parents? Because the Prophet would not have been born if it wasn't for his parents. And what about his parents' parents? What about his parents' parents? Rather, what about Ibrahim salam, who is their great-great-great-great-grandfather? You know Ibrahim salam, he, the Prophet came because of his dua. He made dua when he was building the Kaaba. That was on son. the list of my evidences it's, to bring to you. Huh? That was on the list of my evidences. But I'm flipping on you. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala said. You're not allowed to that, do this, bro. Of course I am. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala said that the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa said. Sorry, that Ibrahim alayhi said. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala said. 
He made dua, Allah sent to them a messenger from, from, from them that will read to them your verses and teach them the book and the wisdom and purify them. And then the answer to that dua was, the Prophet ﷺ, when Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala said, لَقَدْ مَنَّ اللَّهُ عَلَى الْمُؤْمِنِينَ إِذْ بَعْثَ فِيهِمْ رَسُولًا مِنْ أَنفُسِهِمْ يَتْلُوا عَلَيْهِمْ آيَاتِهِ وَيُزَكِّيهِمْ وَيُعَلِّمُهُمُ الْكِتَابَ وَالْحِكْمَةَ وَإِنْ كَانُوا مِنْ قَبَلُ لَفِي ضَلَالٍ مُبِينٍ So Allah responded to the dua of Ibrahim ﷺ. So then, should we not also celebrate the day that Ibrahim made the dua? Should we not also celebrate the, ex the day when Allah accepted the dua? I mean, there's a, there's a lot we can celebrate here. It's just playing around. And they don't celebrate all these things, all those things. Does that make sense? Because really and truly, they're just making excuses to try to justify the celebration of the actual day. Hmm. But none of these things actually establish that. Because hmm. if your logic, if your reasoning for celebrating the Prophet's day was the fact that you're happy at the day he was born, that I'm also happy the day that his parents were born because had they not been born, the Prophet wouldn't have been born. And I'm happy the day that his parents were born. I'm happy the day that what? Ibrahim made the dua. And I'm happy the day that what? Allah accepted the dua. And I'm happy the day that Ibrahim's dad yeah, was born. Ultimately, all the way to Adam. All the way to Adam. And then before Adam, السلام, when Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, I'm happy the day that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala decreed all of this in the Ruh al -Mahfuz. But they don't. And they should have a celebration for every single one of those days. But they don't. Okay, that was just. A question that I pose to you. Okay, cool. I take, I take that back. So there's no point even Let's go to the evidence. There's no point. Why? There's no point. But if the, if the evidence is indicate but that I the birthday is of significance, yeah. then we would follow oh, it, okay, right? Okay, okay, okay. Exactly. Of course, it's point of evidence. You've got to okay. be careful. No, no, you no, say no, no. Okay. So what you're there's no point of evidence. Of course, no, evidence no. have a point. I didn't say the evidence are not important. Okay. So let me. I've got loads of evidences here. Yeah. So I'm going to go through each and every single one, one by one. Hmm. Are you ready? First of all, just make sure that you stick by the standards you gave me earlier. That they all have to be authentic and they all have to be relevant. They're not relevant and they're not authentic. So don't, don't even mention them. So that's relevant to the birth. Birth. Don't bring me. فَبِدَالِكَ فَلِيَفْرَحُوا The ayah is talking about the Quran as well. If you look at the sabiq and the lahiq of the ayah, the ayah that came for an ayah that came after, Surah Yunus. So don't, 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 don't bring evidences that are not relevant. I can't, I can't, I can't say. So you want evidences that are specifically talking about the birth? Of course. Okay, I've got some of those, no problem. Okay. All the other ones, i put them to the side. Okay, good. I've good. got some of those, no problem. So firstly, the Prophet Sallallahu he fasted on a Monday and a Thursday because why? He said he's, he was born on a Monday. Uh -huh. He referenced him being born. Mm -hmm. He acknowledged it. He commemorated it. Okay. So good, remember earlier we said that if, that, that, that if, you, that, that if there's something that you do in the Sharia, mm -hmm. if there's something that happens in the Sharia, mm -hmm. if there isn't a significance of the birth of the Prophet then the way that you would... The way that you would commemorate that birth, if there was, if that can even be used, if that can even be used, if mm -hmm. that can even be used as an evidence for commemorating his birth, وسلم, then you'd have to do it in the way that he did it. Remember, we said that earlier. There was four ways where people they manipulate things yes, within the yes, Sharia. Yes, yes, yes. Okay, they either change the the frequency of it, or they change the way of it. They change the time, or they change the the place. Here they done three. They change the frequency. The Prophet would do it every Monday, twice a week. He, but we're talking about the Monday here, right? Because that was the day he was born, sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. So we'd fast every Monday. They do, they just do it once a year, and right? And then they change the how. The Prophet would fast. They don't. They do everything but fast. In fact, fast is the one thing they don't do. They do everything but fast. They bring food on that day. <laughs> yeah. And the third thing is they change the time. The Prophet would do it on Mondays, and they would do it what? Maybe on a Sunday, Tuesday, whenever it falls. Usually, they don't even do it on the twelfth of Riyadh. Well, they do it on the Saturday that comes. 
Do you understand? So if we were to say this is an evidence to say that we celebrate the sorry that, that that we should commemorate the Prophet's birthday, if we can, I'm not saying that that's an evidence to to, to commemorate the Prophet's birthday, but I'm saying if we were to say that we could do that, then we must do it in the way the Prophet did it. Ask these people: one, Have they ever in their entire life gone one month fasting every Monday? Some of them would have, yeah. But as, but but that's my point. That that then if that's then leave it there. Then do what the Prophet did. Don't do more. Bro, I got another one. Surah Maryam. Isa Islam says, "Peace be upon me the day I was born." Yeah, peace. Yeah, peace be upon me on the day I was born. So where's the celebration that's, there? If, if that's what Isa Islam. Where's the celebration there? That's what he's where's acknowledging. The, the point is, if he acknowledges, but acknowledgement is not the same as celebrating. You asked me earlier. You're playing with words. You asked me earlier. Am I happy the Prophet was born? I said yes. Am I acknowledging the Prophet was born? Yes. Is Isa acknowledging he was born? Yes. Is the Prophet acknowledging the day he was born? Yes. But that's not celebration. As per him. But they're saying celebrating it is all they're doing, all they're doing molded gathering. Don't say all. Don't say all. Don't say all. To innovate even one step, you're going against what the Prophet did. You're leaving his sunnah, which is to fast every Monday. You're leaving that to then do something that he never did. That the first time it was ever introduced was in the fourth century by the Shias. The Shia started molded. But the Shia started molded. You didn't know this? What's your evidence for that? Let's go to the history books, man. We have Imam. Uh, because we've run out of time, it'll be hard to read all of this, but I'll link a video where people can see it in more details. Yeah? We'll link Ustad Abdurrahman's video below, inshallah ta'ala. Uh, but Imam al-Miqrizi, rahmallahu ta'ala, he mentioned it. Uh, it was also mentioned by Imam al-Allama uh, Muhammad al-Muti'i, who was a Hanafi, Mufti of Egypt. He said, مما أحدث وكثر السؤال عنه الموالد فنقول إن أول من أحدثها بالقاهرة الخلفاء الفاطميون وأولهم المعز لدين الله. He said that this was invented by the Fatimiyun in Cairo. And they were the Ismaili Shia. They were so extreme in the Shiism that even Shiism, even the Shias who are Kufar say they're Kufar. Even the Shias who are Kufar who worship the graves of the Imams will tell you these people are Kufar. Okay? We also have another uh, Imam Mufti of Egypt before uh, the one Al-Muti'i and that is Al-Shaykh uh, Ali Al-Mahfud Rahimullah Ta'ala. He said, Inna awwala man ahdata bil qahira al-khulafa' al-fatimiyun fil qarn al-rabi'i. He said it was, it was introduced by the Shias, the Fatimiyun in, in Cairo in the fourth century. Fabtada'u, they innovated. Okay? They innovated Sittata Mawalid. They innovated nine different birthdays. They celebrated the birthday of the Prophet the birthday of Isa alayhi They celebrated the birthday of Ali radiallahu ta'ala anhu, Fatima radiallahu ta'ala anha, Hassan, Hussein, and so on and so forth. Okay? We also have Imam Abu Bakr al-Baqilani who is an Ash'ari scholar. And he said, he said, هم قوم يظهرون الرفض They were a people. They apparent in them was a raft, which is rafida, the Shia belief. Okay? Tashay'u. وَيُبْتِلُونَ الْكُفْرَ الْمَحْضِ they would make apparent raft, which is the Shia belief, and they would hide clear-cut kufr inside of their hearts. Okay. Okay. So look. One second. Uh, I've got more. We have you, got, I mean, you've linked the video, right? So if they want to see more, they can just go to the video. Just to mention that these people, what they were, Imam Ibn Kathir. I just want to read the statement of Imam uh, Ibn Kathir, Taala, because the statement is powerful. Look what he said in his al-bidaya when he Imam Ibn Kathir said, "Katab jama'atu min al-ulama'i wal-qudat wal-ashraf wal-udul wal-salihin wal-muhadithin." He said that the scholars have written. 
They all came together at the time, the scholars. They wrote the scholars, well, Qudat, the judges, well, Ashraf, the noble ones, well, Udul, the, right, the just people, upright people, Salihin, the righteous people, well, Muhadithin, the scholars of Hadith, and Hakim bi Misr, that the leader of, 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 of Egypt, this, this, this Al Mu'iz li Dinillah, uh, uh, and, and the other one, the, the two who brought around um, the celebration of the Prophet's birthday, he said, What? Bi Misri, wa wa Salafuhu, him and his predecessors, Kuffarun, the disbelievers, Fusakun, rebellious sinners, Fujarun, Mulhidun, Wazanatika, Muatilun, Jahidun. What all these words? They are heretics, they are people who are hard headed, they are disbelievers, they are atheists, Wal Mulhid. والمذهب المجوسية they had the Zoroastrian مذهب of the fire worshippers والوثنية they are what idolaters معتقدون قد عطلوا الحدود they 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 destroyed the حدود of Allah عز وجل وأباحوا الفروج they permitted the sexual intercourses وأحلوا الخمر they made intoxicants permissible وسفكوا الدماء they spilled the blood okay وسبوا وسبوا الأنبياء they insulted the prophets they cursed the Salaf. They claimed they were gods. These are the guys who started off tomorrow. And I could have brought you, I could have brought you scholars who are known for the Sunnah who mentioned it, but I brought you Abu Bakr al Baqilani, he was an Ash'ari. I brought you Al Mikrizi. I brought you the Hanafi uh, Sheikh Al Muti'i and Sheikh Al uh, Ali. Um, Sheikh Ali Mahfouz. There's a couple more evidence. So my point is, whatever you bring me right now, I, there's no need to discuss it, Abu Bakr. And the reason I'm telling you is that that you're never gonna bring me an evidence about celebrating the Prophet's birthday or his birth. You know why? Because the whole discussion of the Prophet's birth was introduced by these people, these Shias. Four hundred years of the disconnection between them and the Prophet between them and the companions. Do you understand? I mean, it's true that. Right at the very beginning, we did say that any evidence that's bought, number one, is authentic, number two, is relevant, number yeah. three, has to be understanding of the classical scholars. Mm. And even all of these evidences that these contemporary pro molded people bring, You'll not none find of them friends. say that, oh, Ibn Hajjah said this, none or Ibn Nawi said this, none or, salaf. sorry, Annawi said this, or, you know, Asayuti, or even any of the Salaf. So I guess none of those evidences are even. Admissible. It's like if it was a court. I mean, even if you had scholars from the, uh, you know, Noe's time who said it, it's irrelevant because we were taught for the Salaf. We're taught for the Sahaba. Do you understand? And we don't have examples of Sahaba celebrating, commemorating the Prophet's birthday through acts of worship. We have companions praising the Prophet. Where they were sat in a gathering and they said that we're set here because we're grateful to Allah for sending you of to course. us. Of course. But how is that celebrating his birthday? And don't stretch it and say it's the same thing. Well, uh, 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 Abu Lahab, he freed his slave on hadith, the day he found out the Prophet was born. Is, is disconnected. It's just not authentic. Al-Bukhari, not every hadith that he brings is connected. You know that, right? When Bukhari, when we say Al-Bukhari, all of it is authentic. We're talking about this hadith with chains. His book is called Musnad. Uh, it's called Sahih Al-Musnad Al-Jami'. Sahih Al-Musnad Al-Jami'. His long name is longer than that. But the point is, is Sahih al-Musnad al-Jami'ah. Musnad means connected chains. So the things that he brings that don't have connected chains are like footnotes. The footnotes are not from the actual book. book. They're from the little 
little points here and there, bullet points. Does that make sense? So any hadith he brings you with a connected chain, because remember his book is called Sahih al-Musid al-Jami', right? Any hadith he brings which has a connected which has a connected chain is the one he's trying to tell you this is authentic. When he intentionally doesn't even bring the chain, or he disconnects the chain. You think Bukhari didn't know that? Al-Bukhari knew that. He did it intentionally. Do you understand? And he brings it for another purpose, a side point. And even if we was to say that that was the case, that the hadith was authentic, how does that substantiate the celebration of his birthday, sallallahu alayhi wa sallam? And most we can say because of his what? We know that Abu Talib, his punishment in the hellfire is inshallah going to be less the Prophet's uncle, because of his assistance for the Prophet in his da'wah. So maybe it was, so, so, so it could be understood that because of some good he did to the Prophet even though he's a kafir, some good he did to the Prophet he has a lessening of his punishment. He's still being punished though. Do you understand? He has some lessening of the punishment. But that's all it shows. That he had some maybe good towards the Prophet Some mercy towards the Prophet Abu Lahab's almost specific. As in he, the slave girl... Came to him with the news. Yes, your you, you know you've had a nephew. Good. So there and then with his fingers he said. Firstly, like I said, for, like the hadith is muallaq, is disconnected, but that is disconnected. Don't forget that I'm I'm doing it for argument's oh, sake. You're right. You're right. I'm you're saying right. even then, even then, even mm. then, the question that we must ask ourselves is what does that have to do with celebrating his birthday? Did he celebrate his birthday? He was happy. I told you earlier. Am I not happy at the Prophet's birthday? Yeah. But we already established happiness and celebration not the same thing. Alright. Three no to you. Not to me. Still, still not the Prophet. I got an ICS session waiting for me, so I'm gonna head off and let you conclude for the people. I'm gonna smash you next time. Any time, any place. Just send me the location. With that said, Assalamu alaikum rahmatullahi wa barakatuh. Peace. We want many things in life, but one thing that summarizes all that we want is we want good. We want goodness. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala tells us in the Quran how we can all acquire goodness. Primarily in the next life, which is what really counts, right? Because what point is there if you had so much good in this world, but in the next life, you are a loser? In Surah Ali Imran, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala said, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala said, You will never, you will not reach goodness. You will never acquire it. Until you spend for the sake of Allah out of that which you love. When this ayah came down, there was a companion of the Prophet ﷺ who owned a beautiful garden. And it was very beloved to this companion. The moment he heard this ayah, he wanted to implement it straight away. Because although he had a beautiful, lovely garden, he knew that there was a greater good, which was the garden in the next life, the garden of Jannah that he wants. So he came to the Prophet ﷺ and he gave it in the cause of Allah. Like if you deep it for a second, when you love something, you spend money on it. You love your children, you spend money on your children. You love yourself, you spend money on yourself. But you're supposed to love Allah and Islam more than all of these things. How much have you spent in Allah's cause? The Prophet ﷺ had companions there that were willing at the drop of a hat to fund whatever cause it was that was needed to be funded for the sake of Allah. And we today, in similar fashion, are reaching out to you. If we can get a hundred people to give 50 pounds at the link below, you can help us in getting closer to our next target. And if you can't give 50, 
give 50p. Remember what the, Allah said in the ayah. وَمَا تُنْفِقُوا مِنْ خَيْرٍ فَإِنَّ اللَّهَ بِهِ عَلِيمٌ Whatever you give from good, Allah knows. You may give 50 pounds. You, you may give 50p. You may give 5p. But that could be the reason for you to enter paradise. With that said, please click the link below. And we're going to carry on doing what we do. But we need you, with Allah's permission, to do what you need to do. And that's to support the cause of Allah. Assalamu alaikum, peace.